0: Zibala, he is something else, Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo, the captain brings the house down, the captain pay a Champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of City House Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Rivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard.
1: Ciao. Oh, I almost said Anthony. Ciao, Frank. I saw Anthony's comment. I was like, oh, Dominic, meet him tonight. But uh,
0: how are you, Frank? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm exhausted, but I'm good. A lot of yeah, calcio. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, uh, you know, we just had to send a notice now about being on, like, like, this is how we're slacking. Life's getting too busy for either for either of us right now. and Yeah. Uh, so, usually, we kind of get everybody noticed during the day and all that other stuff that we're going to be on. and uh, Too well, much Champions we'll do... League. We got to watch yeah. all that. And then we're like, oh,
1: man, we got to do a podcast tonight. We yeah, go. I was so
0: engulfed in that and then trying to do my work and kids are in soccer and, and, and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, fun fact, we've had 70 games in Serie A, Richard. We have not had a goal on a direct kick, on a direct free kick yet. Really? Yeah, like a free kick directly taken and scored. Like, not. I'm not talking about like uh, Roma with Pellegrini's goal, where DiBala played a long ball and Pellegrini volleyed it in, which is one of my goal of the week candidates, by the way. Right. But like, like a curling ball into the top corner of the net, etc. You know, oh. something like you know, something like that, just I'll directly from that. the free kick. We'll to I cuz I was looking at it, I was like free kick and said there's guys like, like going into this week hmm. like they were showing the free I was looking up the free kick leaders and I was like free kick goals are from direct free kicks and I think it's uh Marine who's over 4 on Empley and they had him as the leader cuz he had the most attempts but hmm. nobody has scored yet Interesting So
1: that's crazy. Um, Chesney made a beautiful stop on Muriel, which you know we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, so
0: that could yeah. have been the
1: first one, but uh, that could have been the first one.
0: So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. You know, right now, I wonder what you know. It, it, it could be anybody. Uh, amazing, Vincent's here, Anthony's here, Dominic's here. Good to see you guys. Hey, pack the chat. Let's yeah, talk about. Uh, let's talk about things. We had a couple Serie A teams going today in the Champions League. We got a couple more tomorrow. We got. Europa League and Conference League on Thursday. We've got a recap of Match Week Seven. We got a lot to discuss and digest. Wow. Uh, so uh, we love getting your questions and your comments and that sort of thing. So, um, but let's just start. I think Richard, a good place to start. You know, we'll we'll start with Europe. We'll go into Match Week Seven, and then we'll preview the rest of Europe. I think that's going to be a very good way to go about doing it. Very happy about Roma finally getting a win. There you go, Vincent. Uh, all hope is not lost. Um, <laughs> my, my, you know, it's, it's my my pick of them finishing uh, fourth is, is is a little shaky right now. But you know, we're only six points out, and there's a long way to go. So long way to go. Yep, long, long way to go. So, but let's start with today's games, Richard. Um, we had uh, Inter against Benfica, Napoli against Real Madrid. You could probably consider, arguably, Napoli Real Madrid was the marquee game. Of the uh, match day two slate for today's games, no argument. Um, yeah, no argument really? there whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, the champions of Italy against uh, you know basically the, the the iconic team of this competition. When you think about it, uh, Real Madrid, Carlo Ancelotti coming back to Italy, coming back to Napoli. Um, so uh, let's talk about this game first. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes it goes three two in the direction of uh real madrid so it is syria suffering their first loss in european competition this season uh we saw leo ostergaard uh pouncing on a ball uh that i believe was headed by was it Nathan that got his head on it first yes, yes. okay so then Nadu went off the bar and then leo ostergaard pounced he scored made it one nil uh eight minutes later i mean uh great tactics i mean the four three one two from carlo ancelotti I mean the the sole entire purpose is get to Lobotka and don't let him be comfortable. And that's what went on. And in yeah. particular in this situation, a pass that normally in City on a, a normal environment, Ste Lorenzo is gonna trust that pass. He's gonna trust getting it to Lobotka. But Bellingham's right there to snatch it from him. And then it's oh, uh Vinny Jr. getting the pass from him and scoring uh to make it one-one. Um and then it would be Jude Bellingham himself on a solo run going at uh, the center backs Leo Ostegaard and Nathan and uh, finishing to make it two one Napoli are awarded a penalty scored by Peter Zielinski in the 54th minute. And then in the 78th minute uh, after uh, an excellent volley, I believe that was from Valverde uh, yeah. hits, uh, you know, Merritt tries to save it that he did. He try to punch it and it hit the post and it hit hit him and went in. I think that was the sequence. Yeah. Yeah being an old, own goal for Alex Merritt, kind of an unlucky situation uh, and the way the game ended um, Napoli two, Real Madrid three, you know, one of the things, Richard, and I'll, I'll, let's start with this with, with Napoli um, last year, they, they cruised to the Serie A title. Okay. Um, if you took a look at their resume in the champions league last year, okay. You look at that group, that group that they were in, they got a Liverpool team that were down players when they got them. Um, you know, Virgil van Dijk, chief among them. Uh, so they were fortunate to get Liverpool at a bad time. They got a Rangers team that were lucky to be there after eliminating PSV Eindhoven. And then they got an Ajax team that just keep lo- kept losing players every year. And Ajax just, you know, continues to decline. So, you know, we, we didn't learn a whole lot about them in the group stage. You know, they went on and won a group with on their, fo- their, were on their form. They're expected to win. They get to the round of 16. They get Eintracht Frankfurt. And they get, you know, and it's pretty easy for them, especially with Eintracht, I believe, getting a red card that uh, made things easy for Napoli. So they get to the last eight, and they play Milan, and Milan provides resistance, and Milan eliminates them 2-1 on aggregate. Um, There's no room for Cavadatalia to operate. Uh, Alciman doesn't score until, like, the stoppage time of the second leg. So finally, Napoli face... A living, breathing blue blood of European football. Okay, the blue blood of European football. Um, and because I think that that is probably the one question that you could ask of this Napoli team and this collection of players: How are they going to look when they have to play the big guys? Um, characterize for give me your impression of how you think Napoli fared today against a team of the caliber of Real Madrid.
1: It was a good game. It was uh, a someone put in the, in the chat as a cracker of a game. It sure it sure was. The one thing with Rudy Garcia is when he plays good teams, but and I will say when he plays good teams in the league, he's gonna struggle not be as consistent as he normally is. But when he plays the top echelon teams in the world, he's shown that he knows how to match them up and take away their weaknesses and. Go toe to toe with them, right? He's done it against the PSGs, the Mm Chelsea, the cities of the world. What we saw against Real Madrid is a similar output where, you know, they had they had a good schematic uh, drawn up. Yeah, there some of the players still had some moment, but it was fairly even for most part of the game. And Ostagar got his goal, and it's like boom! That's exactly the formula you want to see if you're if you're Napoli. Um, Obviously, Real Madrid would come back and score a couple goals, but hey, Napoli hung in there. Uh, and And they kept going back and forth. Uh, so overall, I want to say the schematics and the way that Napoli fought in this was impressive. They they went toe to toe with the with the, the best team in Europe and uh, didn't look scared all that all that, all that much really. And the the big thing for me on the downside for Napoli, were I was unimpressed with the front three, I thought they were the ones who were lacking. And also Di Lorenzo was pasted. Bellingham, you you give. The best players for Real Madrid stepped up, right? Bellingham. Bellingham, he's right now a combination of Zidane, Ronaldo, and Benzema all together. At this, he's scoring goals. He's doing everything right now for them. Vinicius Jr., came come up and scores the first goal of the game. Um, Valverde, he's a great player. He scored a wonderful cracker, and I guess his own goal, I gave that goal to Valverde. <laughs> um, so the Stars had to beat them, and they did. And that's what you expect of Real Madrid. They're going to always show up in these kind of moments, but Napoli weren't afraid. They went toe-to-toe with them. I thought the midfield was doing a really good job for Napoli. Really kept him in the game. Obviously, Zalinski got that goal. Uh, but, yeah, you know, overall, I think this is a great performance for Napoli. They can learn now when they go to to the, to the Madrid at uh, the Bernabeu. Uh, hopefully it'll be another great game. They can steal a win from Madrid there. But uh, they, should, they should be confident after this game as opposed to, like, hanging their head down for losing. I
0: mean, but generally not- speaking, generally speaking, it's not going to be a good Day for Napoli if Matteo Politano is the best performing of the three up front.
1: Yeah, and, I um, he was
0: ass. <laughs> and, and, and and yeah, and he was crap too. So I mean, it's just like I mean, slightly ahead. Uh, what do I think of the penalty decision? I thought it was fair. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah,
1: yeah, I yeah, thought it was fair. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so um, yeah, you know, you find. I mean, sometimes I mean when you're playing against a team like Real Madrid, I mean. They're not a team you're going to go out and dominate like you would against, you know, Lecce like they did at the weekend. Um, you know, the you're going to have to find a
1: part too, You know,
0: yeah, they're going to have to find a way to score goals. And the game was relatively even. The possession was relatively even. Um, you know what? Where I think the glaring difference was, and it showed up in particular in the first half, is the power, the blend of power and pace that Bellingham, Vinny Jr. And Rodrigo can throw at you up front. I mean, those were, I mean, Bellingham automatically is going to get selected in this team. But to go with Rodrigo and Vinny up front um, against Oster, against Ostergaard and Nathan, I think, was a master stroke by Ancelotti. Um, you know, Hossolu has been in there. He's been scoring goals left and right. But he's a target. You know, yeah. he's a guy that you put him in there. And it's a little bit different for an Ostegaard. It's a little bit different for a Nathan. They know where he's going to be, you know, in most cases. And they're going to be able to deal with him and man mark Now you bring a couple of pacier guys that can stretch them, that can give them problems, um, that can move the center backs around, which kind of helped, uh, you know, their movement maybe helped open up uh, some space when Bellingham scored that second goal as well. Um, imagine if this Madrid team had a proper target striker. Well, I mean, I did, the, the tactics dictated themselves, Vincent, tonight, where Real Madrid did not need a proper target striker.
1: Did I hear okay. this? Did I hear this crazy stat correctly that they said Bell didn't have his nine goals in his first nine games for Madrid? I mean, you're talking Ronaldo and Benzema type numbers there, and he's not even a striker. Uh, so, they don't even maybe they don't even need a striker, right? The way this formation is, I mean, they're two, they're two guys up top are very versatile, they're very skilled. Vinicius is one of the best players in the world, and so yeah, they can do their thing, then go out wide, and then you know, Bellingham and everybody else slides right in there and they can feed off of that. So, this is a good setup right now for uh, for Ancelotti's men. I don't know if they need a nine at the moment.
0: Carlo has turned that kid loose flat out. Um, and can you imagine? Because right now I think it's lined up for him to join for free next year. But can you imagine when Kylian Mbappe joins this joins this team? Okay, and you can play this same system. And I don't think I don't know if Ancelotti is going to be back after this season because I think he's going to coach Brazil. Um, You know, he's going to be Brazil's next coach after whenever. But if
1: one person can handle the egos, it's two people really: Ancelotti and
0: Zidane. Ancelotti has always been to me like one of the best man managers. You know, you know, I mean, there's a reason why he's been around so long. There's a reason why he's won so many Champions League trophies. I mean, it's one thing to have the players. It's another thing to be able to mold them and get them to be unselfish and get them to a point where they can go out and win the trophies and achieve the objectives that you set out for as a team. How long has it taken Pep Guardiola to finally win a Champions League with Manchester City, for example, okay, with all the talent that he's had at his disposal? And there's a lot of different things that you can say to that. You know, I mean, there's some things where some games just didn't go their way. Uh, this, you know, some games, you know, fell apart, injuries, uh, you, know, and, you know, and all of that other stuff. And certainly you got to account for that. But when you talk about a manager of Ancelotti's quality, um, I mean, he's been able to stand the test of time because he's been such a good man manager. Um, so, uh, and um, – Mbappe fits absolutely per- the formation that Real Madrid played Kylian Mbappe fits it absolutely perfectly I'm with all of you guys um yeah. you know and that's the that oh dear lord look out if that ha- when that happens too and look so, I don't want to take credit I don't oh, want
1: to I don't want to say that Cavada uh, and and Ossime and Politano choked I'm going to say it's more the opposite where Ancelotti got his men lined up perfectly they they knew how to press them the right way they knew how to shade them the right way to take away their strengths and really force Napoli to to find another way to beat them other than going through the left side. Um, and, you know, you got to give credit to Real Madrid. But with that said, Napoli still hung in there. They they kept coming in waves, They found ways to, to get through to Madrid. They started putting pressure. They, they, they had good spells of it uh, on the offensive end. So they, they kept it in, you know, and, and, you know, Napoli maybe should have had a draw in this game, you know. But, uh, you know, again, class always rears its head in these kind of big games. But, you know, mm-hmm. full credit to Napoli for, for going toe-to-toe. Yeah, and
0: when you you have an inexperienced center back pairing of Leo Ostegaard and Nathan, uh-huh. okay, they haven't played much together. Uh, Nathan, in particular, has not played a lot of games at this level, yeah. um, and Ostegaard has, has not played that many more. Um, no. And then on top of that, and I think that the another thing that maybe gets overlooked is Giovanni Di Lorenzo. He has issues. Okay. Vinny Jr. is a player in the mold of he's 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 similar to Rafael Leo. Rafael Leo will go at you and dribble you and get you get past you. Rafael Leo has had a, a, a lot of successful games against Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Vinny, Vinny has that element to him, but Vinny also is clever with his running off the ball with it's getting good. into spaces yeah. and, and and things like that. And that's where he gets that's where he can catch Di Lorenzo out now. DiLorenzo, I mean Vinny's Jr.'s goal was the product of DiLorenzo making an error passing, and I, you know, could be critical of DiLorenzo's recovery effort um on that goal, but I think it was long gone. If, you know, he was so far back that it's just like you're hoping the goalie, goalkeeper saves it. But
1: I think he underestimated Bellingham as well because Bellingham can read those plays very well, which he did in that play. Yeah. Anyone else in the world it probably would have got right by him and gone to and gone to Labotka, but Bellingham Perfectly recently, he's got the length to you know reach out and, and poke it out, and then obviously with his composure at 20 years old, for Jesus Christ's sake. Um, he, find, he finds Vinicius Jr., who's gonna open his up when he opens up his hips, the whole world is his oyster, and he can just do anything he wants with it. And he did, I mean, Marek mm. played it well, but Vinicius Jr. still found the back of the net there on that goal. So, you know, Dele Dele hopefully, will learn from that going forward, especially teams against like Real Madrid.
0: Agreed. Um, you know, I think when I take a look at the overall performances here just – I mean, I think I think Napoli were fine as a collective. I mean yeah. – and, and I stress collective. I don't know if there was a guy that really individually shone for them at any one position. You could probably say Zielinski. Yeah, um, i give you that. But that's about it. You know, I mean, it was – but still, I mean, they, they they put in a collective performance. They were close to coming out of there with a point against what might be the best team in the world. Um And, uh, you know, they, they come a little bit short, but there's still plenty for them to play for here. Um, you know, they now have, they now have two games with Union Berlin, um, you know, an Union Berlin team that can't get out of its own way right now. Um, I believe they've lost six straight in all comps. Um, you know, uh, I think they're, Maybe I think they're realizing they've, they've got some injuries too. A player like Robin Noca certainly helps them in the defense. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's been out for long periods of time. But I think Union union Berlin's learning the hard way that Bonucci's just not the defender that he is anymore either. Um, so that kind of becomes a problem. Um, so they've got two games to get it right and maybe work their way to at least seven, at most nine points. Um, they ought to get a win and a draw out of Union Berlin for sure, but uh, uh, but two wins really should be the expectation if you're a Napoli supporter, given Union Berlin's form. And given that, you know, Napoli is starting to come around a little bit. It looks like they're starting to slowly make some adjustments. We'll talk about their game against Lecce here uh, when we batch up match week seven. Um, but that's uh, – that's kind of where I'm at with with Napoli. I think minimum four, minimum four, but should get six on Union Berlin. How, what do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, I really like well Napoli's depth in general, but I think you know if they can use what they did against Real Madrid against the other teams, they should be able to get wins in all those games. Um, it you know just depends to see what kind of Rudy Garcia beast we got we get out of all this, but I think they're they're more than more than talented enough to
0: beat everybody in this group outside of Real Madrid. So, sure, sure. Um moving on uh to the uh Inter Benfica game. Um I'm sorry, I just had my eye on the brewer game. We just had the fucking bases loaded and we just went into a fielder's choice. <laughs> Great job, guys. Um <laughs> so the joys of playoff sports, right? Anyway, uh Inter and Benfica, I mean that's as straightforward a 90 minutes as you're going to get. Uh, yeah. it, you know, Fili- uh, not Fili- Simone and Zaghi. Filippo and Zaghi would have lost three. <laughs> Filippo yeah. would have lost three nil <laughs> <would've lost> to three- <laughs> no, this Benfica team with that Inter team. Yeah. Uh, that's just the difference between the brothers. Simone, <laughs> Simone wins one. <laughs> wins- uh, we love people, but man, he. Yep. And, and luckily for Inter, uh, Simone and Zaghi is the manager. I mean, <laughs> they just. I, they, I mean, they, they they choked Benfica completely out of the match. I mean, yeah. I think they suffocated them. Uh, they limited them to some chances that were very, very comfortable for uh, Jan Zoller. Uh The defense was intact. This is the enter that we've we've really come to expect. Yeah. Um, a 1-0 win, a wonderful goal by Turam from, from uh, Denzel Dumfries. I thought that Turam was going to be a danger man in this game, uh, in particular when you take a look at um, – Benfica was starting a lesser experienced center back next to Otamendi and Felipe Morato. And you can't tell me that Otamendi can keep up with a guy like Turam either. No. Um, and then I thought that Dumfries had a great situation with Juan Bernat on that side. Um, that he could go at him and that he could get behind him, get in position. and um, So I thought Dumfries was excellent playing on the right-hand side in this game. I thought Marcus Turam took his really goal really well. On a different day, Lataro Martinez scores four like he did against Salernitana. I mean, my God, how many chances can you miss? Um, And, uh, you know, and then the midfield was all solid. solid. I think Barella Barella for me was probably the best of the three. Uh, But uh, take it away on your thoughts with Inter and Benfica. To me, pretty straightforward, typical Simone and Sagi in a cup game.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think they obviously had the the far better of the chances in this game. I mean, the most... Difficult plays for Inter was doing Di Maria off the corner kicks going versus the direct plays, right? But Jan Sommer was all over that. Um, I think uh, Denzel Demfries, uh summed it up perfectly with what Mar- Martinez not scoring. He says uh, maybe it's because he scored too many goals on the weekend. You know, the four against Lernitana, that's why the ball didn't want to go in tonight. Um, he, he also said, like in the first half, we wanted to we wanted to find spaces to counter. In the second, we attacked from the start to the end. We found we had different ways of playing. I think it's a very good performance overall. I mean, I agree with Dumfries. I think what we saw is. Inzaghi and company dictating play, um, especially you know, you know being at home, it's what you want to see. And you, the way this inter team is capable of playing, we saw what they did to Milan in the derby when they play this kind of this kind of play. They're going to suffocate the opposition, not give them yep. any opportunities. And long as they don't make mistakes themselves, they should they should win the game fairly comfortably. And you saw with the amount of shots that they had, in any other day would have been three four goals in this game easily. Um, I thought the midfield played really well. Uh, in particular, Barella, like you said, but you know, I thought Chelenola played very well, and and um, as did uh, Mikatarin and you know, some substitutions that were really, really well made by Inzaghi. And so I think, yeah, straight up performance by Inter, they have to be now more confident that they can win this group as opposed to just getting out win this group. Because you know, you look at some of the teams in this in the in this come in this group, and Benfica's got to be one of the top ten names on the on the grouping list. And if you can beat them fairly comfortably at one nothing, it's only one nothing, but it's still a comfortable win. It's got to boost your confidence saying, hey, we could probably get us up to 12 points in this league, in this, in this uh, group, and then have an easy way out into the into the group stage and then kind of rest some players here, uh, especially because you're more than likely going to have some big matches as you get out of the group stages. So um, well done. Well done by Inzaghi. And then uh, hopefully they can uh, continue this. Obviously, they did on the weekend with Soleditana, but uh, this is what Inter's capable of. And I think Inzaghi's finally got that Perfect recipe. Now, I think that teram adding teram and Summer and some of these other pieces has really got him to fulfill the match and the dream that he's had for Inter and what how he wants to attack them. And I think it's working so far beautifully this season. Can it continue? We'll see. But uh man, they look good. They look good.
0: They do. They do. It was this, it was an impressive, it was an impressive 90 minutes. You get the three points, and now you've got an RB Salzburg team that You know, really, we're fortunate to beat Benfica on match day one. They got to take advantage of uh, Benfica going down to 10 men and uh, couldn't get much of a sniff against Real Sociedad today at home. Um, You got to think six points is there for the taking and that they can be on 10. I mean, if Braga can snatch something from uh, Real Sociedad, that makes, I mean, I think just you win the two games against. real uh RB Salzburg here on match days 3 and 4 enter are cruising and and yeah. probably by then will already have their place booked in the round of 16 so um r- real good situation right now for enter and great chance to qualify um you know after these uh these first two games so um so yeah i mean it was it was you know i think <clears throat> Napoli as a team played well uh against a very good Real Madrid team came up a little short. Inter was that was as straight that was straightforward Simone and as you're going to get. Um I mean Inter's XG was 3.81. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: that's
0: how that's how dangerous their chances were uh in this game and they only came up with one. I so. mean, I'm
1: sure it's at EC we're still, you know, on on nerves and pins and needles. I mean, Eduardo you're you're in the chat, you can let us know, but I'm sure, you know, they were nervous nervous wreck throughout the game. Uh but they looked fairly comfortable from our neutral eyes and I thought uh this is what this is what they do. They choke. The, check out the best players from the opposition and then just, you know, do their game. And when they yeah. do, they are they're almost unbeatable.
0: Yeah, Di Maria didn't have a very good day. Uh no. and actually left with 10 minutes left with a little bit of a knock uh rafa silva couldn't get anything going um not a single shot from david neres who was asked to you know asked to lead the line uh orkun kukchu um talented uh young turkish player that you're going to kind of hear more of as you go there was not much for him either so um yeah rough not
1: a good day for the not a good day for the nines in the champions league eh (laughs) neres osi hurricane (laughs)
0: <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let me have this conversation with you because, and, and this might be off Serie A topic, but let's talk about the role of the nine, you know, and what can constitute a good game, you know? <clears throat> so because, and a lot of this came from my frustration with Harry Kane, not, you know, I, I locked him in all my DraftKings lineups today and he didn't even get a shot on goal mm-hmm. uh, or he, he didn't get a shot. Okay. You and I had as many shots as Harry Kane did. Um, <laughs> Today, where's uh, our money? Show us yeah. the money. Yeah, why are not we getting paid by our minute? Come on. <laughs> um, so, I, and it turned into a debate. And there's a lot, you know. And I, I went on this rant, and he's overrated. And he's the he's he's the product of a hype machine from from Premier League fanboys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so. Um, we have sour back three. I like the use of that word sour. You're sour on any opponent's attack. <laughs> so is good. Um, he is yes, good. he is. Bavard's good. <laughs> is it a good game from the nine if he doesn't get any shots, but he is occupying defenders and to a, to a level where it's opening up room for the other playmaking midfielders and wingers, and they're getting all of the chances or, does he need to be able to get on the end of some things? Does he need to be able to create from high position create chances from high positions? You know, obviously score if he scores a goal, he's doing his job, you know, optically. Yeah. But are there days where it's enough to just take up a take take up a couple of defenders and let the guys underneath him do the work?
1: If you're a striker who is not the upper echelon striker, if you're a I I don't want to join like Cholito Simeone, like he's he's good on his day. But like if he if he were to be their lone striker and just holds up the ball and feeds it off to the to, to the the smaller guys to score goals, okay, that's fine. But when you're you're expected to be one of the best strikers in the world. Yes, one, you should be doing that, holding up the ball and feeding up to your guys and kind of setting them up. But two, you better damn well get your shots off, right? What we've seen this season with Vlahovic, for example, right? He's an excellent in holding up the ball, giving it to Kies and his and his, and his teammates, but he's also finding a way to get his own shot. The best strikers in the world will find a way to get their own shot, will get shots on target because that it's like a shark with blood in the water. They will go for it. I mean, how many times in the past we saw Drogba or the Thierry Henrys of the world, uh, Lewandowski's. I mean, any striker in the world you can take. I mean, Osimhen when in, in the in the league, when when a true top echelon striker, they're gonna find that the net no matter what. Whether they get goals is different, but to be to be a factor for your team and, and feel that you, they're getting their money's worth. You need to get some shots off it and goals. Goals is the name of the game as a striker, right? Um, say what you want about about uh, uh Giroud being old and stuff, but he gets his goals still. In these kind of games, the games where Harry King gets paid the big, big, big bucks, he needs to get some damn shots off. Yeah, it's nice to set up yeah. your teammates. You got some great
0: teammates. I don't, even set up, I don't think he even set up his teammates. You know, that's the, you know, that's, the, I guess that's where I'm coming from on it. But um, like a
1: one-off one off, one like a couple games, that's fine. But you know, yeah, more consistently or more than not, you better be getting some shots off, find a way. And that's what the upper, upper echelon strikers and world should be doing. You know, I don't want to be see go 10 games with, with no shots and, and no goals because I'm like, who's next? Who's next? You know?
0: Yeah, he created one chance and he had one cross. He was fouled four times. So, you know, so, so, I mean, in those elements, okay, yeah, he's, he's holding up the ball and he's getting hacked before he can do anything with it. So there's, there's some, you know, there's some good with that because he's winning free kicks for his team and sometimes in deeper and higher positions too. So, but I think you need to get on the end of things. You need to find a position and you get on the end of things and, You know, um, I mean, you're 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 running into spaces that I mean, the guys that are trying to take away your spaces are Dennis Vavro, Elatio Reject, and Kevin uh, Kevin Mm Dix, who I've never heard of, and these guys were Maldini and Nesta against Harry Kane today. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and even uh, like
1: was like all he's talking about like uh, Giroud, right? Giroud's been hit and miss this season. I agree about that, but again, it's a team that's trying a bunch of new pieces and trying to figure out what their style of uh, offense is going to be like. Is it going through Giroud? Is it going through Leal? Is it going through who? So it's just it's trying to figure themselves out. Bayern have been a, like, a juggernaut for the last 10-plus years. They know how they're going to play. Now, granted, they got a new player in Harry Kane. they got to fit, uh, fit him into the mold. But still, I mean, what did Lewandowski do when he went to Barcelona? He kept scoring goals, right? Yeah. you got to find a way to get your striker goals. Uh, and so that's – I expect more from Harry Kane, you know, going forward.
0: Yeah, your game should have the ability to travel. I mean, and, and, and he's off to a pretty good start in the Bundesliga, yeah. and he's scoring goals in the Bundesliga. This game, it just mystified me, the performance, and it's mystifying me that Harry Kane fans were making excuses for the performance and saying, well, he still did a really good, you know I mean? Okay, but did he, I mean, does that constitute a good performance for a striker? That's, I mean, no, that's just a fraction of what's expected of a, yeah, of a nine, that's... of a guy that plays in the nine role. Would so. you
1: be as mad as if you hadn't lost money on Harry Kane? What's that? <laughs> Would you be as mad at Harry Kane if you didn't lose money on him?
0: Well, (laughs) and here's the funny thing. I didn't lose that much money. It just astonishes me. If this guy's supposed to be one of the best strikers in the world, according to certain people, and he's playing Copenhagen, he should be getting some shots off, you know, even if it's in Copenhagen, you know. Um, Even Lazio, with their game plan against Napoli, Osimson still got five shots off. They weren't good. Yeah, but he was trying. I mean, there were half chances, and he was trying to make something out of it. So it was just a bizarre. It was just one of those bizarre. Yeah, usually when
1: a top striker doesn't get a shot off, it's because it was a masterclass defensively by a center back, and usually it's a you know a big name center back. And Copenhagen center backs don't necessarily scare you. Now, let's say that they're not good, but uh, yeah, you know, Harry Kane shouldn't be. Stop by these kind of guys and maybe it's a perfect game plan to stop him who knows I. Maybe.
0: it's an interesting discussion it's an interesting discussion because my my son plays a, my son's a striker on his select team and he's a he's a he's a nine and he's but he's not a he's not a uh rodrigo nine he's not a you know a pacey guy he's he's a big strong Get the ball to him, let him turn, let him distribute, and then he's going to get in the box and he's going to get on the end of it. He's not—he's not, he's not going to be known for creating his own goal chances. You know, it's usually going to come from a pass. It's going to get in get in the right position and finish. And that's, you know, that's what he kind of prides himself on. But for you know, when I when I you know, and it's it's one of those interesting interesting things. He might take up the attention of some defenders, which frees up the rest of his team. So
1: now this begs another question: Is this a, so? We've seen the trend in city uh, where. The nine isn't as important as it used to be, right? Especially for the Azuri team, uh, the number nine hasn't been the, the the mythical position that we've seen in the past, sure. right? Just, no one says like Luca Toni has, has, has graced the boots uh, of the Azuri nine. But is this a trend we're seeing in football in general? You think it's just uh, you know a select few countries that are are changing the way they attack the game? I mean, obviously with Ancelotti today, no nine. He's got you know he's got this two smalls in there with Bellingham and, and company behind. So what are your thoughts on the overall trend of how the nine is used in, the, in today's game?
0: I think the nine, I, I think the, I, I think there's a, there's, there's, there's two different types of nines that I think that are out there right now. I think, okay, there's nines that are like Giroud Kane um, to an extent, Vlaovic mm-hmm. that are strong, physically strong, good in the air. And they're a high reference point, you know, to play a ball to. Okay. Where, they can get the ball. They can absorb punishment from defenders. They can drop it to midfielders. They can turn and play. They're not guys that are going to lower their shoulder and go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's the nines that are bending their runs. They're trying to get out in some open spaces. They're they're trying to stretch center backs. Um, and that's their way of opening things up for the, the attacking midfielders and the guys that are coming forward underneath him. Okay. I, I'll give you an example. Lautaro sits pretty much right in between the characteristics of both of those strikers as an yep. example. He's probably closer to the, he's probably closer to the ladder, uh striker that I described, you know, um, Victor Osiman has characteristics of both. Duvan Zapata has characteristics of both. Lukaku is a target. Okay. Yep,
1: he's a target.
0: Um, he's, he's a target that has for his size has really good first step quickness. Yep. Um, Vlaovic you know, is a target. Jeruz is a target. Yep, yep. So, and I think it's 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 how you set your tactics up that determine, um, you know, what the role of the nine is. Okay, and if you've got a Jeruz, if you've got a Vlaovic, if you've got a uh, Lukaku, then your wingers and playmakers have you, you, players like that have made wingers. And playmaking midfielders more prominent in our league. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. You that's why you see Leao play, you know, performing so well because he's had Giroud up top, you know, where you know he turns and plays him in, or or Giroud has the space to take him on because your Leo has to take space to take people on because Giroud's occupying center backs. Um it's why you see Quaditalia. Fits so well with all seamen. It's why you see Chiesa yeah. fit so well with Vlaovic. Yeah. Okay. And then when you want to talk about attacking midfielders, Dibala and, and Lukaku, and Dibala, he's not a winger, but Lukaku will get in very high positions and be a target. And that just lets Dibala work underneath and get the ball and be able to be a playmaker with some space to work with because everybody's chasing Lukaku and that's leaving Dibala room to play. Yep. Um, and then when you go to the inter side of things, okay um the presence of okay taram is is exactly the ladder that i described pacey stretch guys he's not a hold up guy lataro's got a little bit of hold up to him but he's another guy that's going to stretch you so when they counter they're making runs defenders are going with them and then who does that open up that opens up a guy like mkhitaryan who to me is one of the best players i've ever seen at exploiting spaces that forwards leave behind yeah so you know the nine has taken on a multitude of different roles. It's no longer this classic big, strong guy that you're hoofing it to. No. So, um, and th- what characteristics you have in the nine is creating what the rest of the attack is going to look like and who steps up and takes a prominent role. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So... That's my best description of it. Is That's as best as I can describe it. It was long-winded like everything else I do, right?
1: So. No comment.
0: <laughs> I, get a, I get a laugh and a no comment out of you. Great. All right. So we're going to take a look at the rest of uh, the European preview here a little bit later on. But uh, let's jump back to the league that we're actually supposed to cover um, and uh, break down uh, everything that happened in match week seven. Richard, take it away. All right, well, we
1: started off with Saturday. The, the three favorites uh, in Serie A and also three guys, three teams or four teams, really if you count Lazio, that are in the Champions League. Uh, started off with a Milan-Lazio uh, game at, this, at the San Siro. Uh, interesting lineup or interesting game, I should say. Um, pretty pretty close, though. I think Milan were very comfortable in the, in, uh, despite how close the game was. Uh, they had some chances, but nothing will seem to be going in until the 60th minute. Christian Pulisic after a nice uh, nice play between Adli, I think Teo, Leao, uh, and then ultimately the Pulisic with the goal there. Nice goal the be candidate there in the 60th minute. Uh, and then we see more Leao doing much of the same in the 88th minute, uh, finding Okafor who came on for uh, Giroud. Milan went 2-0 fairly comfortably against, uh, against Lazio. Another statement game for them, you know, saying they brushed off the inter game and have been rolling ever since. Uh, last week, last year's champion Napoli on the road to Lecce, a game which could have been a very difficult game. Let everyone who goes to Lecce it, it find it difficult. Napoli came to play, they had a statement to make. Uh, wonderful, wonderful performance by them. Ostegard, you mentioned him scoring in the Champions League, he gets his first league goal for them in the 16th minute. Ostergaard, uh it's only one nothing at halftime, so it's fairly close, probably well done by Lecce up at that point, though Napoli had a lot of chances. Second half, though, different story. Osman scored in the 51st minute. Uh, Gaetano got a goal in 88th, and Politano uh, penalty in the 94th minute. Uh, romping win for Napoli, four nothing there. Uh, rare, rare to see Lecce lose that big at home. Um, speaking of uh, losing big at home, Salernitana hosting Inter, uh, and the guy who couldn't score in Champions League, it's because he used all his goals up the, on the during the weekend. That's uh, Laltana, probably what it
0: was. Yeah,
1: Lautaro <laughs> uh, Martinez with the poker uh, four goals all in the second half. I mean, Salernitana hung in there as best they could uh despite the barrage of shots by by inter but eventually the dam would break and it it did break 62nd minute Lartaro martinez scored again in the 77th uh in the 85th and um and penalty in the 89th um excuse me the penalty was the 85th and then he scored in the 89th uh one of them was a goal to be not i can't remember which one off the top of my head but uh yeah i think uh we had nearly so after lartardo's goal 30th scored and you're thinking okay it's a game on but the goal got taken back and then Inter just went on from there. And, they, and they, they, I mean, wonderful performance by them. Lartaro making the same. He's got nine goals now in the league. I think he's got uh, four up on Olsenman and company. So a uh, big win for Inter there. They went comfortably. So all, basically three favorites in the league uh, this, this season so far. All won comfortably on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday, uh, the turning of the calendar to October. Bologna hosting Empoli. Uh, Orcelini. It was an Orseline show. It was a was, was a. A weekend for hat tricks. Uh, first we had Lautaro and on Saturday on Sunday, Orsolini goal of the weekend in the 21st minute. Wonderful move, wonderful first touch, and a wonderful move around the defender. Gets yep. a nice goal there. Uh, the 66 minute gets another goal, the second goal of the game, and then gets his hat trick in and stoppage time of the second half. Three-nothing win for Bologna. It wasn't all easy for them. Skorupski had to make some big saves for sure, but uh Bologna won as we as we expected there. Uh, one of the more entertaining games of the weekend, it was Udinese host in Genoa. You uh, saw a lovely goal first by Gudmundsen, uh from just inside the top of the box. Goal of the week, candidate there. Luca with a nice goal in the 23rd to kind of counteract that. Um, Goodmunson again in the 41st minute. Well, before he scored, he scored a goal, called off sides, back. A couple minutes later, comes back again, scores the goal. Two, two to one at that point. Um, and it wasn't until stoppage time where Udinese got an equalizer there. 2-2 in a very entertaining game. We did see a red card from Lovric in stoppage time as well. Um, Juve-Atalanta, a game that could have been a goal fest, wasn't. There was no goals in this game. But uh, it was an entertaining game. It was really uh, you know, curious to see how Allegri Ball would go up against Gasparini Ball. Um, what we saw is uh, both teams having their fair share of chances. Chesney with one of the plays of the week with a great uh, free kick save on Murial. that was surely going in the goal. Wonderful save by him. Uh, but I think Atalanta had uh, created the better of the chances in this game. And uh, you know Chesney just stood on his on his head. Musso did have to make some big saves as well. So I'm not going to uh, discount Juventus. Good back and forth game. Zero zero there. Roma, you had mentioned this, mentioned them at the beginning of the, of the podcast. They got back on track against EDF, former manager, right? Uh 2 nothing win there. Uh goals by Lukaku, assisted by Paolo Dybala. And then Pellegrini scoring the 83rd minute. Your goal of the week candidate there. Uh mine too, I guess. Right, we're sharing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Roma win. Nice win against uh uh an informed Frozinone. So you know, we say what you want to say about Frozinone. They have been pretty good so far this season, so it was a good win for Roma get back on track uh nice two nothing with victory there moving on to monday uh a game that was a a sneaky pick for one of the potential game of the weekend's possible goals only got one goal in the game talk about sassuolo hosting monza uh
0: what a a drag this game was yeah it had
1: so much potential in this game with two teams who play very entertaining football it didn't happen in this game but it game started changing for monza once uh, lorenzo colombo came into the game really everything started coming through him he forced a nice uh, play in the 66 minute gets a nice goal that's the only goal in the game i really was hoping for like a barn burn in this game maybe a 4-3-3-2 type of game and we just didn't see it now there were some chances loriente and berardi they made some nice saves in this game but it wasn't living up to the hype that we had hoped especially how both these teams have been playing this so far this season um a team that had been taking the memo from uh, Juventus and uh, and Atalanta Torino and Hellas 0-0 in that game and that's all I'm going to say about that game uh, and then lastly at least the team got the memo about scoring goals Fiorentina hosting Cagliari it was a Fiorentina show and it all it, you know they pretty much sealed the game in the first half which we've seen a lot of this season uh started off with Nico Gonzalez off a set piece in the 30 in the 3rd minute uh Docena, they would claim it as an own goal. Uh I thought was, I still thought it was a nice play by Fiorentina. 2 nothing at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um and then in the stoppage time, Enzola finally gets his first goal for Fiorentina. Wonderful chip shot over the keeper on like a breakaway. That's the goal of the week. Canon is there. So yeah, uh, that's yep. uh, all the games. Uh where do you want to start off?
0: Um well let's start off with some of the let's start off with the top. Um Napoli showed everybody how to win it at Lecce. Yeah. Um we got, uh, uh, you know, Southern... very good contributions. I mean, they hmm?
1: Well, I was going to say, I, I, I felt to mention. There? Yeah, you hear me?
0: Yeah,
1: I can you hear me? you. Oh, okay. Uh, I failed to yeah, mention in the Celeritana game against Inter, uh, Inter. the lone bright spot for Solanitana was uh, the TIFO that was displayed. They did the uh, Pink Floyd, yeah. uh, the wall. I mean, that was the well pink done by Floyd them. Wall. Yeah, that was really well done by them. So that's the only bright spot for Tana in that game. But uh yeah, kudos to them. I got to give a shout out to that Bob Lex was mentioned in the chat so.
0: Yep. Um yeah, Lecce were phenomenal I mean, sorry, not Lecce, but uh uh Napoli were phenomenal on the counterattack uh in the second half. Um with some of the chances that they created and some of the goals that they scored and I think that that, that Lecce you know, this wasn't really a you know, I mean, if you just look at it on the strength of the goals,
1: yep.
0: fine. Yeah. Not, and Napoli deserved the win. We're the better team. They took their chances. But Lecce, I mean, I, I think that the score probably doesn't represent, doesn't do the game justice. I think Lecce still played all right. Um, and Napoli were just clinical and they were just efficient when they went forward, especially in the second half on the counter. Um, you look at the Milan Lazio game, and I think that, you know, when you look at that first half, Milan were treading water. Um, you know in that game um but uh you know the way the first half unfolded they had more of the ball but certainly it was Lazio that were being more convincing with the chances you know and as the game wore on layout got better and eventually you're going to eventually he is going to find a way to break down Adam Marucic and beat him one-v-one and he did it twice uh and the form of assists one for Pulisic and then the other for Okafor and then you know there's 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 a characteristic of Okafor. Okafor is the latter when you're talking about strikers but he runs and he gets on the end of things and that's how he's getting his goals for Milan. He can also score individually he can create his own chance he just has Okafor has just not been given an opportunity to do that yet so um when he can get comfortable with that part of his game it's going to be um you know it's going to be very interesting. Um, so, um uh, good game by oddly
1: again, he,
0: he, he, okay. Listen, oddly grew into the game and it took my tweet to talk about, uh, you know, I think I said something about, uh, uh, because I thought he was I thought in the, I thought early on he was giving away balls. We talked about this last week on our podcast. We said, okay, Cali gave him a lot of freedom to play and he took advantage of it. Lazio are going to press him a little bit more and let's see what happens. And I saw some giveaways. I saw some some passes that were heavier than they should be. Um I think there was a through pass he was attempting I believe for Teo Hernandez in particular that he just massively overhit. Um and I think it was because he was pressed into doing it and he rushed it. You know, classic things like that. So it's just like wait till an opponent presses him and let's see what happens. But he grew into the game and performed well. So um us say the guy got sacked, but I think FIGC hired him.
1: Uh, yeah, talk about the uh Napoli chief social media guy got fired after you know the whole uh, Oh, I'm
0: past all that. <laughs> so um I'll tell you, Bologna have been knocking on the door for a while now. Uh, so nice to see them break through and, and, and win. I mean, they should really, realistically, should have beaten Monza and Verona. Arguably, could have gotten something more out of Napoli than they did. Would be happy to probably just take the point in that particular game. But this is a Bologna team that should have. You maybe I mean the, on the way they're performing, Richard. And then let's talk about Bologna for a minute. They're on ten points. In the land of woulda could have shouldas, this is a Bologna team that arguably have been playing well enough to be on 14 or 15 points right now. Would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. Okay. Um, and we've talked about this. Uh, you know, it starts with the target play of Joshua Zergzi. Okay. Uh, Orsolini is a playmaker. I mean, he obviously getting the hat trick in this game, so that's going to stand out. Yep. Um, a very, very interesting thing that, Tiago Mota has kind of been forced into doing because he's got a shortage of center backs is having Ricardo Calafiori deputizing as a center back. And it's working. Um, He makes good runs. He doesn't, um, you know, he makes good recovery runs. He's he, he covers for his teammates. You know, when you just kind of watch him play a little bit, he seems like, you know, playing center back might be something he can get a head start at doing and he doesn't have to at Roma. He played a lot of left wing back and a lot of left back when he was there. Um, but here he's deputizing as a center back and it's, and it's helping. Um, and, and, is proving to be a pretty good purchase there too. Uh, you know, in that center back pairing, cause Bologna now that's now four straight games without conceding a goal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they've got, they've got something pretty positive going on, uh, over there. And finally they have the goals to kind of back up that display. Um, I, I rated them highly uh, in my predictions. I think I had them like I had them finishing ahead of Fiorentina. Um, they had the second best defense in the league this year, um, mm-hmm.
1: and you'd argue, be, you know, for where they started compared to Lecce, Atalanta, Fiorentina, Juve, and even Napoli. <laughs> If they had some of the good fortune that you mentioned earlier on in some of the other games, they would be up right up there in the mix with the top four because they're playing that well. Only Inter has a better defensive season so far than Bologna. You mentioned the, the long streak that they had. They just couldn't find a way to score goals. Xerxes is I mean, I think Xerxes is a good fit for them. He nearly had a great goal, uh, great save on him with, a, who I think it's Orselini who set him up, or I forget who it was in the game. But this Bologna team has a potential. We've seen that its pieces are there, and they're starting to get them up. Uh, uh, Mota starting to get them lined up well and so now they've got to get the goals and that'll be like the final piece for them. But they got the defense which is good. That's the hardest yep. part sometimes for some of these teams, especially like Mologna. So well, we'll see what they can do, but I've I'm I've been uh, optimistic about their start so far, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that they can continue to build upon that because that's uh, that's what you want to see a a trademark of a good team as you get better as the season goes on. You don't not like Cali, sorry, George, for a couple years ago we start out hot and then you kind of drift away. That's the opposite of what you want to happen. I think hopefully Bologna can keep building each week uh, and gain more confidence Tiago Mota, and his style of play that he wants his team to play. And yeah, he's got some playmakers, so uh, you know keep an eye on them.
0: Go. Speaking of Bologna, everybody, go look up the headshot of a player by the name of Giovanni Fabian, especially if you're an older person like me at 48 years old, and you see the picture of – this, he looks like he's eight. Giovanni what? Giovanni Fabian with two Bs.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) That just – he looks like such a boy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's funny. Oh, my goodness. Because uh, I, I looked at the – because I'm going through the lineup in the in, in the bench and I had to do a double take at what I was looking at. So, Is this the Primavera? Um, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know? Um, Lewis Ferguson's been solid for them too. And they've got a rotation of wingers now, which will help them. I mean, they don't have to – it was Orsolini with the hat trick here. But Andoyi has come in and, and played well. Uh, I've seen good games from Jesper Carlson, uh, you know, in addition. So they've got that going on too. They've got good, you know, they can rotate guys into the kind of holding midfielder. El Azuzzi is another good player that they've got in there, um, you know, that's been contributing. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of holding midfielders, can we just go to Sassuolo? Okay. So uh, Manuel Locatelli, Davide Fratesi and now Daniel Balocco looks like he's going to be the next guy. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's, how does Sassuolo do this? Good good, you know, scouting, I guess. And they, they
1: have a guy, a certain piece that they look for in the in that midfield position and it just seems to work every time. It doesn't matter the height, just as long as they get a certain skill set uh on them and man, he's uh he looks like he's a baller. So uh yeah, good for them. I mean teams need to start watching oh, if they're not already watching Sassuolo, I'm sure they already are after Locotelli and Fratezi. So yeah, I'm sure everyone's watching Sassuolo and uh the talent that they can produce.
0: Yep. And uh uh he be- I believe where did he play? I think he was with uh uh let's see I believe he was with uh Frosinone in city B. So, you know, here they go again. They go and what what do they do for uh what do they do for fantasy ret- replacement? They just go and grab they just go and grab a guy that played in Seti B. Uh, and they keep plugging along. I mean he played for Frozenoni and said he beat last season. He started 29 or 31 games, scored twice. Um, you know, but it was his his midfield positioning, winning winning tackles, uh, intercepting passes, and then winning duels. Um, he won more duels than he lost. So um you know and now he's t- starting to slowly translate that into his role over at um, uh, Sassuolo. So uh, so that jumped out. That's another one that jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of the Atalanta Juventus game on the whole? I mean, like we should probably talk about that. These are two of the top teams in the league. Um, I think that, you know, Chesney came up with a couple of key saves as did Musso. Yeah. Um, but it was Allegri ball and Allegri ball won out over gas, ball, in my opinion, that's how, that's really what happened. Even though it was a draw.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, they, they cancel each other out a lot. They kind of stifled each other's strengths, especially Juventus' stifled Atalanta's strengths. strengths. Um, yeah, the game had, again, a potential to be uh, one of those barn-burner games, a really classic kind of game, and we, we didn't really see that. Was, as you mentioned, Allegri Ball won out. I know Juventini are you know upset at the result. Uh, Reno's in the chat. He, he he was upset with the game, unacceptable. But this Atalanta team is also good, and so it's like, yeah, you, you didn't score any goals, and you got a draw, but you also got to take a grain of salt that you, know, you tied the Atalanta. And on the flip side, thought the same thing. is like, yeah, they would have wanted to win in a game like this, especially at home. But Juventus is playing pretty decent so far this year, right? They kind of found their, their magic again with Chiesa and, and Vlahovic. So to kind of shut them down today or this weekend, uh, you got to take a grain of salt and just say, hey, these kind of games, you'd rather have a draw than a loss. So just take the draw and move on. Hopefully the next time you play there, you can kind of get a result. But I was hoping to see much more expressive play, there were some times where both keepers made some excellent saves, Musso and, and Chesney in particular on their free kick, um, uh, but some other places throughout the game. And so, yeah, it's 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 hard in these kind of games. These are the kind of games you expect when you when you have the big, you know, Darby d'Italia or those kind of games. And fair to 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 Atalata's credit, they are becoming they are now one of the staples in the Seven Sisters now, and they kind of had a resurgence this year where they've learned to play a multitude of ways, not just one way or the other. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe this is, uh, maybe we shouldn't be too surprised that this result was 0 0. I'd like to see more goals, but, you know, a draw seems fair for kind of these two teams that are playing against each other.
0: Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, Allegri ball? That happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Just a quick thought on Udinese. Uh, Andrea Sotil, if you want to keep your job, you should probably start Lazar Samarjic every, every week, every game.
1: Can he start him in 11 positions? I don't know.
0: I mean, what is the silliness with not starting him against Genoa? I, You know, and then he comes on and they uh, – Let's better. see, When did he come on? Yeah, he came on in the uh, 58th minute, and they looked better in that. They looked better when he was in the game. And I don't know – yeah, fine, you played every three days at this point, but for – The majority of the season, you're basically going to be playing once a week. Your best player shouldn't be playing from the bench. Now, if you're you're playing every three days and you're trying to manage people, then, yeah, you sometimes need to make the decision to rest players. So, speaking of which, Milan have won three straight games playing every three days. And come back to Milan real quick. That's another thing. And And I said this on Twitter, and that was my tweet. I said, I think the Pioli out and Cardinale out people are... Having a really hard time right now because Pioli pushed all the right buttons over the last week to win three straight games, playing every three days.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, everyone expected uh, him to fold, and it's kind of pressure, especially after that Inter game, right? The Derby, and uh, he's done everything well. What you kind of see now is that maybe Inter just that good. Inter are really damn good at the moment. So you take that aside. Same thing Fiorentina, right? Inter Fiorentino looked great until they played the inter and inter and the inter slacked them for nothing. Everyone's like, oh, they're 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 terrible. Then they kind of rebounded and had some nice wins after that. So yeah, Pioli's pushing the right buttons at the moment. He's rotating guys or criticizing him for the some of the rotations. Um everyone loved the Adley insertions, but some of the other some of the other substitutions, like, oh, why are, you, why are you starting these? Uh I know heading to the Lazio game, they're like, Well, why'd you start it? Why, why is the starting 11 playing? Uh, but it works And he's pushing all the right buttons, he's getting now more depth. A more playing time for some of the guys who don't normally get it. And so now as the season goes on, he'll have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. Musa's is getting some key m- minutes in right now. Jaquese as well trying to adapt him to this team. Uh so and uh, yeah, it this is as good for overall team. And 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 I can only imagine it's doing wonders for Adley to get these minutes in the last you know two games that he's played in. So um yeah, I think Pioli, the Pioli out guys are, are gonna be hiding until the next uh next time I rears it out in the head.
0: Sure. Um we should talk about Lazio too. I mean, is 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 Saudi in trouble?
1: I don't think so. I mean, he came up against a really good Milan team. Um, I know they're they're languishing at the moment, and it's not what Lotito wants for sure. Uh, seven points in, uh, on in sixteenth place, but they need to get on a roll. I mean, if they continue this kind of form for the next for the next couple weeks yeah i, I see Sorry's head on the chopping block but i you know if they get i think it strings a couple of results together it's not like they've been playing terrible it's just like they haven't getting the goals in and great they came up against some really good teams as well and so that's going to kind of favor into but they had a nice victory as well they beat they beat napoli it's got to hold something right so mm-hmm. they gotta just start getting some some wins in here and if they do i think all all calmer heads will prevail i still think i still I'm, I still, you know, pick Lazio in the top four. And, you know, <laughs> your Roma pick – you think a Roma pick looks bad. My Lazio pick looks terrible at the moment. But yeah. it's, uh, it's a long way to go, 30-plus games to go. Uh, I think they have – they can write the ship, But, yeah, in this next, you know, few weeks, we got, you know, one more week before the international break and then two more weeks after that. And by the end of October, they're still looking in you know, the bottom bottom five places. Yeah, you might have to look at uh, – keep your eye on on sorry being exited but uh i i still have full confidence in this lazio team it's just been a rough rough spill of tough games
0: yeah yeah i would agree with that uh so yeah let's see what happens with lazio here going forward they're they're at celtic tomorrow we'll talk about that here shortly um i do want to come back to let me let me come back to accessible did you know that samuel castalejo now plays on cessuolo
1: Oh, does he? I thought. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, he I,
0: came on as a substitute with eight minutes, eight minutes left of the match. Um, I thought I heard
1: he come back to Italy, but uh, I wasn't, I wasn't for sure for that. But uh, okay, right. He on. came
0: on for Henrique, and I that that might have been Di uh, Dionisi saying, "I don't want to win this game." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, throw it tell <laughs> yeah, After Colombo scored, I, after Colombo scored that goal there from Onsa. Um, yeah. yeah. I thought you know, the world was
1: going to fall apart when Messias scored the other day, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, what's going on here?"
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Messias scoring for Genoa, all of these uh, yeah. you know, CDK having some success there over there at Atalanta. Yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah. all happening. Um, you know, Monza just hung in there. I mean, it was, and but they they had more of the ball to to their credit. Sassuolo tried to beat them on the counter; they looked really good. Uh, Di Gregorio was outstanding.
1: Do you think Berardi was trying to do too much? I mean, obviously, Lorienta, he can create his own opportunities, and so can Berardi, but it seemed like at times in the game that Berardi tried to almost do everything himself. And granted, he is the best player, but you know you got to find the open man at times and not try to take on two, three guys.
0: I think he had to, largely because in this game, Pinamonte was almost nowhere to be found. He, he Pinamonte yeah. couldn't find space off the ball to for, for Berardi to feed him. So, Berardi did have to take a lot by himself. So, that was one of the things that stood out to me because I watched a very good chunk of this game. And, you know, I, I saw Berardi doing a lot. I saw Loriente doing a lot. I'm sitting there like, where the hell is Pinamonte here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I thought, you know, that's a credit to the job that Monza's defenders do. Um, you know Caldirola, Mari, and uh, Carboni, and you know what? Good on them because usually when we see Monza defend well, it's because Armando Izo's playing back there. Uh-huh. Uh, so these guys had a chance to step up and you know withstand what's been a very ferocious attack. Let's uh, this is a Sassuolo team that just beat Juventus and in Inter, um, and now they turn around and they lose to Monza. Um, I'll stand by it though. On a different day, this 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 game, the way this game unfolded. Sassuolo will probably walk off winning this two or three one. Um it just it, it came down to great goalkeeping by uh Di Gregorio, who's you know, turning into the you know a, a goalkeeper we probably need to continue to keep our eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, he's twenty six years old. He's uh he's been around the block a little bit, but I mean at twenty six you've had Very to have young. played for a while. But yeah, he still relevant young you're you're absolutely right um we've 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 praised uh andrea Copani, but i think we also need to give some credit to patrick churia too
1: yes no, absolutely that front three for the, the three attacking midfielders there for Monza have been playing fantastic they're a great compliment to each other you know a getting all the credit but churia is is playing fantastic ball he's probably the better of the three attackers in this game for monza uh, he's been he's been very sprightly this season, especially the last two, three games, I would say. Um, really, really taking uh, the confidence is going through the roof. It seems like he's taking guys on one on one, finding his shots He's finding, you know, he's got a pretty good vision himself. So, yeah, keep an eye out for Trudia and Copani, that combination there. And uh, this month, the team with Colombo. Now, if he can assert himself as the main striker there, they're going to be going to find a way some get goals. And I, like I said, I, I, I pick him as a top 10 team because there is talent on the team. They know how to play really well together. Uh, and it's very entertaining to watch. So yeah, I'm excited to see what Monza can produce. And I, like I said, I I I, I pegged them in for or penned them in for uh, a European place challenge next season and going forward, but not maybe, maybe not quite this season. But it's a good team in yeah. built here.
0: Um, yeah, they they need a consistent, reliable scorer right now because they only have five goals through seven games. Colombo, yep. maybe this is this gets him kickstarted. I I've just never been a believer of, in Danny Mota at this level. Um, yep. Uh, curious. The only the other curious observation I have about Monza is the role that Matteo Piscina plays in this team. I mean, when you looked at him on the Atalanta teams, he was playing a lot higher through the midfield, off the ball with Atalanta, and and here he's he's withdrawn. He's he's in roles where he's really protecting the back three. You don't really see him venturing into the the opponent's penalty area very much in this Monza setup. You actually see Gallagherini doing that a little bit more.
1: You do. And I, I feel like it's almost like a Pirlo role for them. To, he's the he's the wily vet, the captain, who just, you know, kind of pulls the strings from the back, protects the back four, and just kind of lets the, the young guys go and play the game out there. That's what I kind of vibe that I'm getting from Pesina. Totally different than what we saw at Atalanta. I mean, hey, if, if it's working, it's working, right? But uh, very unaccustomed for what I'm used to seeing with Pesina, and I'm sure you are as well, so uh much different from the Azuri roles, and for the uh, for what he played with Atalanta. So,
0: I'm just, I'm just, I'm just like anticipating the tweet from Michael Lisi, and I'm surprised it hasn't come yet. Can we just relegate Cagliari now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, because he always says that about one team every year. It seems
1: <laughs> so. Empoli are going to run for the money, but they, they look better under under Azzoles, So,
0: yeah, Empoli, I mean, Empoli were the one that were. Uh, Salernitana is
1: what uh, I'm shocked with. It. I mean, only three points. They played much better than they than their place in the table says they are.
0: Too good for their table position. I agree with you. Um, you know, but I think when you take a look at some of the teams they've played against, uh, well, I don't know Roma. Or they they did get a point off of Roma. They had to go to the where people have been having a hard time with that. I mean, um, and only has been in decent form. Torino's good. I mean, it's. It's going to be an uphill climb for even for Salernitana. Yeah. They go to Monza on uh, Sunday, um, oh. so that'll game. be a pretty. Yeah. It's an it's a particularly big game for Salernitana. Monza need to try to use this game as a you know after after beating Sassuolo, this needs a, this is a validation game for them as far as their prospects for top half. So, um, so we'll have to see we'll have to see how that all plays out. I mean, you
1: got, you got Monza, Solanitano, which is going to be a big game. Lazio, Atalanta, Napoli, Fiorentina on Sunday. I mean, those are some big games there. And then on Saturday, you have Bologna, Inter. Keep an eye on that for that game. And then the battle of Torino or, or Turin with Juventus and Torino. I think Juve wins easy that game. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of good games. A lot of big, uh, uh, tough games this weekend. So, excited. Torino,
0: Torino and Hellas Verona didn't even try to play. I don't know what that yeah. was when they were playing. I mean, you know, when I look at Juric's lineup, There were a lot of guys in here that I don't think he normally starts. I mean, you had Lazaro, you had Rodrigo Zapata. I mean, even Rodonjic, as talented as he is, doesn't really play a whole lot. Um, But you had guys like Linetti, Vlasic, and Belanova on the bench. Um, And uh, Sanabria as well. And the Turin derby is coming up this weekend. So it makes sense that He's rotating for you, Frank. Yeah, well, no. On a Monday, well, he's rotating for the derby. On a Monday, he's going to. He's going to change it up a little bit, but I mean, that was just a, that was a, that was a painful nil nil game that that is a, you want Calcio to be set back 30 years, watch that game.
1: It's like so. sometimes managers overthink things, right? It's one thing if you're playing three day three games away or three days away and you want to rotate some guys like some of these champions league uh, and, and Europa league players or managers are doing, but you're, you're game's a week away. Let's rotate some guys. And you know, I don't know, maybe there's never there some guys we from injury, but yeah, they didn't get the memo while we playing entertaining football and uh, both these teams, man. It was just it was a, it was a difficult watch.
0: Sure, sure, I agree with that. Yeah. So I think that gives us a nice comprehensive coverage of what happened on match week 7, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Goals of the week? You have any?
0: Yeah, I've got them. I got to just put them in order. Um uh number 5 for me is going to be Enzola's goal. Uh nice little using the strength to turn get away from the defender and then a a, a, a nice little dink past the goalkeeper. Uh, to score there, um, at four, I'm going to go with Orsolini's first goal, uh, control and then volleying that in. Okay. Uh, three, I'm going to go with Pulisic, um, uh, finishing the, fin- finishing after the nice combination play and the work from Rafael R- Raphael Leal. Mm. Um, I will go with, uh, Lautaro's chip, uh, Past Ochoa at number two. My goal of the week is Lorenzo Pellegrini on the volley on the free kick from DiBala. That is a, from the angle that he had, that is a very difficult technique to pull off. Um, you know, I'll just say this. These are all close in quality. None of them are going to scream goal of the season, uh, but they were all good goals. They weren't like, oh my God, did you see that goals? You get, you know, exactly. that the. Here it's got to stop on its axis until you're going to stop on its axis until everybody watches it, um, kind of thing. But it's it's th- th- that's what I arrived at. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's like whatever, however, whatever goals that you really like that stood out to you more than anything else. But yeah, I agree with you. No really goals are like wow, wow, dude. So my five, I'm with you on number five and Zola's goal. I love his chip there, He's getting his first goal for Fiorentina. Number four, I'm going with Goodmanson's first goal from distance. It was a nice, powerful shot past the keeper there. Number three, I'm actually going with uh, Wojciech Chesney. The save on Muriel on the free kick. A wonderful shot by Muriel that was going in the goal, and Chesney made a great save on there. World class save there. Number two, I am going to go with Christian Pulisic. I thought it was a wonderful team play there from Milan. I love team goals. Uh, it was what three, four, five players involved in that goal with a nice. That was a calm finish, collected finish by Pulisic. He could have easily whiffed on that ball that was in the air. Not easy at all. And the number one for me, I'm going Ricardo Orsolini. I thought his uh, first touch, getting getting the ball with his back heel, and then making that move around a defender in the air with the ball, you know, juggling it, and then power, you know, doing a nice volley there. I love that goal by him. But uh, there's some other good goals, like I said, Pellegrini and uh, Orsolini's third goal was nice too. But a lot of good goals this weekend. But that was my favorite.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent stuff. Well, let's move on to let's move back to Europe uh, and preview tomorrow's Champions League games. We have uh, uh, Lazio traveling to Glasgow to play Celtic. We have Milan p- traveling to Germany to play Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Lazio with a point from a one-one draw with Atletico Madrid, a bravely played match for them. Um, Celtic uh, losing at Feyenoord, two goals to nil. Uh so a chance for Lazio to you know get some separation from Celtic, put themselves about as a contender, uh, you know, in the top. When I look at this Celtic team, it is a little bit reconstructed. Um, you know, obviously uh and- Andre uh uh Postacholu is uh no-, no longer there. He's at Tottenham Hotspur, and he's what you know kind of made Celtic afloat for a while. Um is a decent player. Uh, you know, certainly deserves some attention when you take a look at what Celtic are going to come at Lazio with. Um, and then uh, another guy I'd highlight, Matt O'Reilly's a decent player in the midfield for them. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's a, it's a team that Lazio should go there and win. But do you trust Lazio as a favorite right now? I mean, they were – Martino and I were talking about this back and forth. He says, I always get sucked in on Lazio money line," and I said, oh, they're plus 138 at Celtic. What could possibly go wrong? Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, do you trust Lazio as a favorite? I mean, yeah, they, 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 they bravely scratched out a 1-1 draw against the team that's arguably the favorite in this group and Atletico Madrid. You'd you'd want to see them validate what they can do in Europe with winning this game in Celtic. I just on their form, especially away uh, this season, I, I have concerns. I think they're going to get something out of this game. I think they'll win it narrowly. I'm not Lazio's not running riot at Celtic Park tomorrow night. They're going to win narrowly and they're going to win something like two one. I think they
1: they they should be the favorites as they are. Um, and on paper, they should handle Celtic. However, what most of these Laziale players have not experienced is you'll never walk alone in that kind of atmosphere Yeah, at Celtic. And despite, no matter how good Celtic are doing, that's a daunting atmosphere to play in. The same thing if you go to uh, Liverpool, Milan's going to go to Dortmund with a similar atmosphere there with the same song. Um uh, That how do they how do they deal with that kind of pressure? Because, you know, you could be as good as anybody. The energy, the team, the home team is going to feed off the energy. Lazio should be able to handle them, but it's going to be very difficult for them. I I agree with you. They're playing very inconsistent at the moment. If they get back to the root play, the way they had in their their wins so far this this year, like like they did against Napoli, they should win comfortably. But I'm not quite convinced with them at the moment, especially on the road at a place like Celtic which is you know the atmosphere is just so amazing. I, I see a score draw on this one. I think I'm not I'm not convinced Lazio can get the win. I hope they do. Hope Immobile finds a way to you know get some goals in there if, if he gets to start in this one. Uh I assume he's not injured. Um uh, but uh yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. It's going to be it should it should be easy win like like we said, but I'm not convinced with Lazio at the moment so and I'm not a betting man so I don't take I don't, that's a matter to me if they're the favorites or not. I just I don't know, trust them at the moment uh, on the road and at a place like Celtic. So,
0: so what are you saying? You saying do you saying Lazio win or do you score draw one one? Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna narrowly give them a win here because I think that what's working for them is that the Scottish teams in Europe have been brutal. So, um, so th- th- that's what I think is working for them. Do you um, think
1: do you think Vincent is picking Celtic because he's a Roma Roman or because he actually thinks Celtic's <laughs> gonna beat Lazio?
0: He's picking him because he's <laughs> picking him because he's a Romanista. There's there's no getting around that too. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they got out to Lanta at the weekend. So yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's hoping for the worst. Uh yeah. for the Bianca for the Yeah, he might get it. He might indeed get it. So um Bob, by the way, Lance. Really? What we'll happened? He's an Arsenal fan.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Lens. Yeah. Really? Lens.
0: lens? Is it lens or is it lens? Lon. Okay. So the S is silent. Yes.
1: Oh. Pretty much all French. In all French, the, the, the last letter is silent for the most part. That's like an easy way to cheat code. Yeah.
0: He's not sugarcoating it. So. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Vincent. We appreciate the honesty. Because I'm a real fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honesty is the best policy around here at the city. Right. I sit down, so <laughs> we move on. Uh, you know, the marquee, as far as city is concerned, for today. Obviously, we had the Napoli Real Madrid game yesterday. Milan traveling to the Signal Duna Park to take on Borussia Dortmund. Christian Pulisic. It's a homecoming of sorts for him. Um, it's not believed that Ruben Loftus Cheek is going to be available to play in this game. I never. Dove deep enough to find out how long he's going to be out. We know Krunic is out, Kalulu is still out. Um, so you're going to probably see Musa play tomorrow um, with Reiners and Oddly in that midfield. And I don't think that combination has played together yet. So that concerns me going on the road to Europe, uh, going on the road to a place like Dortmund. Now, um, this Dortmund team, I think there's an advantage for Raf- with Rafael Leao against Julian Ryerson. Uh, in a counterattacking situation. You watch more Bundesliga than I do. Now, you're going to pick Milan because you support Milan and you support Schalke, who's Borussia Dortmund's arch rival. If we're going on Amazing Vincent's uh, uh, <laughs> rationale here, um, I'm just going to pick Milan because I'm a Milan supporter and that's what I want to see. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I think that that's, that's an advantage. Um can Ryan can Reinders find the space to be dangerous through the midfield? Us a decent ball winning midfielder, but he's not gonna his role is not gonna be to man mark someone like Reinders. Um the presence of Royce in the position that he plays could put some pressure on Oddly. So this is another test for Oddly. Um, and then you got some pace here. I mean, uh Daniel Mallon against uh, Davide Calabria. We're going to have to see how Calabria deals with one-on-one. And then on top of that, um, I think Rami Ben is a very underrated left back.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, really, I really like him as a player.
0: I, I think he's a very good player. Uh, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, if you're watching Borussia Dortmund for the first time and he starts, he should be a guy that you come away pretty impressed with yeah. uh, tomorrow night. So the, Milan, have, Milan have their hands full uh, tomorrow night going to Signal Iduna. Uh We're not going to sugarcoat this. Um, you know, the red and black in me think that though, the presence of Chow and Tamori in the back will give Milan the freedom to be able to press, to try to, you know, to try to keep the ball and maybe put some pressure on, you know, Uzchan and Mecha and then down to Hummels and Schlotterbach. Um, you know, if that ends up being the, the core of players in that, in, the, in, in that middle, that start for Borussia Dortmund. Can Giroud you know, kind of do what Kane does and occupy the defenders and, and maybe not contribute, and can we get layout 1v1 with Ryerson? And if we can get moments, a goal is going to come from that situation whether the layout scores it or whether he creates it. Now, it's just going to be going the other way because of what Borussia Dortmund can, can offer. I think this is a score draw. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. Uh, I'd love to see Milan win it. I just think the quality of this Borussia Dortmund side is is there. After losing at PSG, they're going to end being at home, they're going to be desperate to get something on the board here. Um, with PSG, Borussia Dortmund, and Milan in this group, um, and then you're dealing with Newcastle too. You do not want to be the team starting in this particular group. You don't want to have zero points in two games, and I think this is going to be a very motivated Borussia Dortmund team for that reason. I got 1-1. One, one. I, I don't think Milan go there and win.
1: This is a a make-or-break game for Dortmund. It absolutely is. They, they go down two losses in the, first, in the first three games. That's It's over for them, basically. Um, <clears throat> this game has a lot of storylines, right? Obviously, Milik Chow coming back, former Schalke player to, to Dortmund. Chris Pulisic, former player for Dortmund, joins uh, there. Uh, some interesting pieces for for, for Dortmund. You got to keep an eye on. I agree totally about Malin. Malen is a very tricky player, very good player. Dortmund are very pacey. Uh, Milan have. We'll see how they you know how they line up, how the defense lines up, who who starts the center back, because uh, this is a very pacey team that they, they love to play in the counter attack and they they love playing in front of that yellow wall. Uh, very daunting to play. Um, <clears throat> I would never show my bias against Dortmund here, right? Uh, but uh, no, I. I this Dortmund team, I don't, they're not, they're very good. They're very good, but I don't think they're at the normal Dortmund level. Um, they've struggled in some games. They had a, a tough score draw against Heidenheim, newcomers from the Liga, who joined up and they, you know, they drew them at home. Uh, they haven't had good results so far this season, but they have some players you have to watch on this team, absolutely. Uh, and so you cannot discount them and and they're very good at home, especially for that, like that crowd, like I said, but Milan, I think, you know, despite, no matter who, who starts, they have a lot of injuries and stuff. I think they're going to have to get, they're probably going to get Dortmund a lot of the ball. I mean, I like to see Milan. We've seen a lot of Milan with a lot of possession, a lot of these games lately. Um, but I, I, I see Dortmund with a lot of possession in the game to trying to dictate the play and Milan can play off the counterattack on that. Um, I would not be surprised if Kristen Pulison gets a start in this trying to trying to you know prove his old team that he's still you know he's really good still. And um there's some good matches for Milan here. I I, I love your shot about Leao um trying to feast on the on the right hand side against the Ryerson. Um there's some there's some goals here, I think, on the counterattack. I, I think Milan with Dorman's form can sneak a win, a narrow win, uh two-one. Uh, against dortmund but uh, it's not going to be easy by any stretch it's not going to be like oh they're going to it's not going to be as easy as the lazio game was for example right um because dortmund will be hungry as you mentioned they're going to be fighting for their their european lives here at least the champions league lives here uh and they're when usually when their backs against the wall they they sometimes do prevail especially in champions league they they kind of show up right in the league in the league that's different but when they play in europe they seem to step up to the limelight right there's no jude bellingham to bail them out anymore but mm-hmm. this is still a very good team, has a really good midfield. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be an entertaining game, I think. And um, yeah, 2 1, I think a, a narrow victory from around here.
0: Okay. I'm just going to score draw just to be objective. mind, but my heart hopes Milan win, obviously. So, going to be a heck of a game. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right. So, yeah. let's look at the three games here for Europa in conference. And let's, you know, one, one game and we'll run you through it. Uh, Sporting Lisbon's hosting Atalanta. Roma's hosting Servette in the Europa League, and then Fiorentina's hosting Ferencvaros in the uh, Conference League. I mean, Sporting v. Atalanta, strap on the feed bag and don't go anywhere if you want to watch that one because uh, <laughs> that's going to be entertaining. Uh, there is quality on both sides of the pitch here. Um, that Sporting Lisbon team has a ton of talent. Uh, Pedro Goncalves, chief, chief among them. Yeah. Um, Marcus Edwards, who's kind of like an exiled Englishman playing over there, but he's really good too. Um, and uh, they've got, they still have, uh, they still play their 3-4-2-1 setup. They still play with wingbacks, even though they don't have Pedro Porro anymore. They've got other guys against that can set in there. I believe Nuno, is it Nuno Mendes that mm. is, is, is his name? Uh-huh. Um, another talented player there. So sporting, it's going to be a, Duel of two teams that feature three center backs play pretty similar systems. Um, man. I hate to say this, but sporting have just a little more playmaking than Atalanta do. And going to Lisbon, going to, going to that, going to that environment. I just, I don't know if Atalanta get out of there with a win. Um, I as much as I'd love to see after lot to win this game, I think they're going to lose. I think sporting Lisbon win this game, but boy, I, I, I see goals like crazy. I think it's three, two. I think this is, this is what you're going to want to watch. This will be a boat race, uh, you know, between both of these teams and I'm there for it. I'm going to, if I can watch, never doubt the Portuguese teams. Absolutely. Shame. Lisbon has sold a few players. Absolutely. But there's still some quality there. Um, and I'm going to, I'm, I, I hate to say this out to a lot of fans, but I think that you're going to have a setback here. Not going to really hurt you all that bad in the end because Sturm and, and Rakoff are teams that you should overcome uh, to qualify for the next stage of Europa League. So there's not going to be any shame in losing in Lisbon, but I'm going 3-2 to Sporting.
1: <laughs> to show you where my mind is at, at this time of night, you said it's going to be a boat race, and I'm thinking motorboat. So... <laughs> Excuse me. Um <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think that game's going to be highly entertaining. Maybe it's a CDK show, who knows, right? No, um, no, I think this is going to be goals in the game. I agree with you. As sporting, as Vincent says, never doubt the Portuguese teams, they're they're always good, especially at home. Uh, Lisbon is a, is a dangerous place to play, and so yeah, I see goals in this game. Uh, I, I go score draw. I mean, I see something like a shoot, a two, two, maybe even a three, three in this game. I see a lot of goals in this game.
0: I mean, that can happen too.
1: Um, so. It's gonna be interesting. But yeah, I'll go 2-2 in that game. I think of the three Italian teams in, in the European play. Um, I, I think Roma will have the easier of the three. I think Servette is a game where they should they should comfortably win, especially at home. You know, it's nice to get that win over the weekend. Um, build it up with another you know, maybe two-nothing win against Servette, something nice and comfortable. The you know, the, the game Fiorentina has against Fenranch though I, I have Fiorentina winning, I think it'll be a little bit more difficult for them than Servette will be for Roma. Fennez has been a team that's you know. They they play they grind you away. They they have some. They just know how to get results and and play teams tough and don't let don't let.
0: Fiorentina has has some attacking quality and they can get after you, yeah. uh you know, and score some goals. And for a Fiorentina team that does tend to leak them, they got to be careful. Exactly. Um, so that'll be that'll
1: be the tougher of the of the three games. Well, between them and Roma, Roma's I think got the easiest game. At the La Lisbon, I think will be a score draw there. So,
0: to amazing Vincent's point. How motivated is Roma going to be to play vet? I mean, that's that's the one thing you can sit there and say they're going to just win four or five nil because they just got the quality to do it. But how many of those guys are going to actually be out there for it? You know, El Shal El Shrawi and Bellati should be plenty. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that. But um, I
1: think Mourinho going to get, have to get these guys fired up because it's his job at the moment right now. Because everyone's looking at him saying third year syndrome, third year syndrome. Yeah, that sure. started out well for Roma, and so. If anybody wants us to win, it's going to be Mourinho. Now, the guys, like you said, it's Servette. How are you going to get up for him? But Mourinho's going to find a way. He'll find something. He'll maybe look at their paper and be like, hey, look, they're making fun of you, Lukaku. Okay, go get some gold. I don't know. He'll find a way to motivate the team. But I think Mourinho has to have this game. And it would not look good if if they get a draw or loss. in this.
0: I'm going to say 3-0 Roma. It's not going to be as dominant as – I mean, they're going to have the – I mean, they're going to keep the ball a lot. And they're going to just – I think they're going to manage their way through it. You know, it's not going to be a 3-0 where they should have won 7 or 8-0. No, it's going to be a 3-0 and yeah, they should have won th- and 3-0 is appropriate for what for the way they played. Um Fiorentina I think beat Fiorentino's 3-1. Um as good as Fiorentino's and, and I think was good enough to score. Um you know, but I think that Fiorentina are just going to have too much for them. One thing that does hinder Fenton Foss, especially in their away matches in Europe, they don't defend particularly well. Uh-huh. So, um, So I will give Fiorentina a 3-1 win there. So,
1: I, I what i want to say is, uh, I love I love Calcio fans because they're always sick to their, their own home team, and when they're playing, yeah. like, with their opposites, they're gonna make fun of them. So, like Vincent talking about Lazio losing just because you know he's a Roman fan, we talk about Ro- Milan's gonna win because we love Milan, and then Armenia and Teresa's like, Yeah, Milan's gonna lose 3 1 against Dortmund because he's a Teresa, so <laughs> you, gotta <laughs>
0: you
1: gotta love it, you gotta love it, Say true, you gotta
0: bro. love it. He's good, but he's giving out to Lazio a draw, you know, there's still <laughs> Lombardia region, so
1: yeah, that's fair, but,
0: but uh, you know, so I mean, he's semi objective there, Armenian. I yeah is not that's right <laughs> so anyway uh, oh, so that's our roundup on europe we've got it all wrapped up there's only one thing left a very abbreviated edition of the world's most popular hashtag game it is time for who won calcio twitter all right starting things off uh
1: patrick kendrick uh, so first uh, the initial picture was from leonardo Bertosi, and then his picture is a uh, Messi beckham and zidane and inter miami and so patrick kendrick says uh only thing missing is Marco. <laughs> yeah, that's right. World class Di Marco there. Why not?
0: Why not? Uh, uh okay, at troll football, Jose Mourinho has turned A.S. Roma into Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, he's 4-1 to, to General. Oh well, that man. was painful. That was that a was painful, painful experience.
1: And speaking of Chelsea, Apex uh nominated this one. Uh it comes from Statuotos. It's uh Puntales, so it's a solo against the 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 Seven Sisters, and he's like give me all your points. And then against the bottom teams or middle teams, it like, yeah, here you go. Take all the points you want. <laughs> good old. I, fun saw bad. This. Fun bad.
0: I saw this earlier and I think that I, I like this one. I was hoping somebody was going to nominate it. Cause
1: yeah,
0: yeah I, 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 this is my winner right here. I agree. I agree. Okay.
1: I love it. Uh, good. The fun, bad. So that we know is this right here in this picture.
0: Statutos just will come out and they're there. Here's the thing with him. He, he has some that where he's really, you know, where where he's really, really funny, really clever, really, really witty, like this. And then there are some where he will punch below the below the belt.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah. it's kind of a mixed bag with him. There's there's some things from Satutos that I laugh at, but I was like, I can't put it on who won Caljo Twitter.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's not his first victory either. So yeah, he he's he'll sneak one in there every now and then.
0: Or she. Anyone know heard from uh and Napoleon Neesmo's been awfully quiet lately. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Or we're not just paying. We're not paying attention to them.
1: Yeah, no, he, a couple, a few weeks ago, it's like it comes in waves, or maybe it's not paying attention enough, right? I guess I don't know. So anyway.
0: All right, we've done that. Uh, we've done this. Anything else uh, that we need to uh, share with the people here?
1: Um, uh, no. We try to do some collaborations here during the international break. Maybe meet some old friends, meet some new friends. We'll see uh, how things work with our ca- our schedules. Uh, other than that, no, I mean, this is the last set of games this weekend coming up before the international break. God, these international breaks are so annoying. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens here. And then get, get a nice little break until the of the 20th or whatever that weekend is. Um, so, yeah, just excited to see one more good week at Calcio. Another good week of uh, European football. We'll see uh, the Napoli PSG games going to be huge tomorrow as well. And so some good, tasty encounters uh, coming up. So, uh, yeah, excited.
0: Uh, we've got the Turin Derby. Yep. um we've also got um uh oh man that's why napoleon Eastmore's account's been suspended oh we need to the free him book. up we need we need we need we need to petition to free napoleon <laughs> we need to get on that yeah bob's mentioned it bob mentioned in the chats so i just went to go look it up and yeah that's exactly what happened so
1: oh, i wonder what he did
0: but we've got the Turin Derby. We've got Lazio Atalanta this weekend, and we've got Napoli Fiorentina. All interesting games. You got Inter hosting Bologna. An interesting one there. You know uh-huh. how you know you know can Inter now you know after you know playing Benfica with your best squad now you regroup you get and play Bologna, and Bologna's been a team that has given Inter some fits. So, uh-huh. um, not necessarily a done deal to say at least Milan traveled to Genoa, so they will reacquaint with Alberto Ginola. Gillardino um, this weekend, former Milan player who could never score except when the uh, second leg against Manchester United, when he had just a one-on-one breakaway with Van and it was just really easy. So,
1: or the long goal for the Azurri in the World Cup run, right, two thousand six, with the uh...
0: true, true, true. So, but uh, making a name for himself as a manager and doing a decent yeah. job with China. Uh, so, some exciting games to look forward to this weekend. And on that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serious Sit Down. You can uh, find us on our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You were also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there are podcasts. There is Serious Sit Down uh, at Serious Sit Down on Twitter or X, whatever you wish to call it, uh, on Instagram. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, or x if you want to call it x i'm at ftc underscore 21 richard is at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n uh so that's it if you are watching us for the first time here on the youtube channel and like what you see even if you don't like what you see subscribe anyway um because if you don't like what you see just just subscribe so we can just keep annoying the hell out of you (laughs) um (laughs) uh just but more importantly drop a like on this video um uh it helps us out a lot and then hit that no- notification bell because you will be prompted uh when we go back live so uh helps us out a lot much appreciated are we from the u.s or europe we're from the u.s, US. i'm in washington
1: yeah. dc frank is in milwaukee
0: yeah we the brewers don't know how to win a postseason baseball game again so i don't even know what's going on i turned it off go braves it- <laughs> if, if if Milwaukee got that far, they would see you in the championship series. So mm-hmm. um but it's gonna be Dodgers Braves no matter who comes out of this wild card round. Anyway. So that will do it for this edition of Syria. We may come on next week because we might have games to recap. We're gonna figure all that out. I've got some work travel next week, so if I don't if 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 not, we may have a guest, we'll see. We're working all that. We'll work we're working on we're working on that. So or we may just take a couple weeks' break. We'll, uh, but we will keep you posted via Twitter. We'll be a little bit more uh, proactive than we were this week. Uh, but that is it for this edition of City. I sit down. Thank you all for taking the time to listen. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, please tell your paisans about us. Ciao.